Welcome to The Vampire Squid, a podcast about increasing transparency and education in finance. This is your host, Alan Lee, and welcome to episode 43 of The Vampire Squid. Today is a very exciting episode, and we talk about artificial intelligence and virtual reality. So we have on Jacob Mullins from Shasta Ventures. And we pick Jacob's brain on what he thinks about these subjects, since he focuses on these as an investments um, while he is at Shasta Ventures. So I think today's episode is very intriguing and a little bit different from the traditional episodes, but it's definitely an area that venture capitalists are all focusing on. And uh, it's good to have a general understanding of the industry um, and how it can relate to you. So without further ado, I hope that you guys enjoy the episode. Personally, I think that VR and AR, um, the use cases of it are a lot higher than you know what people normally think of. Mm-hmm. Um, with VR and AR, uh, I know a lot of, or especially with VR, a lot of people talk about uh, having presence, um, and that's a big thing with VR. Uh, what are your thoughts on establishing presence with the, the current technology and devices that we have? Yeah, great question. So... Presence is the end-all, be-all of VR. It's the reason why you do it. Um, and it doesn't exist in AR. AR is augmented reality. Yeah. You know, fundamentally, VR and AR are different. Virtual reality means you you deceive, either block out or deceive your senses, your sight, your hearing, your touch, um, that you're in a different place. Uh, whereas augmented reality is information layered over the existing world, over your eyes in your existing day. So just drawing that distinction. Um, but yep. back to VR, presence is you know the ability of, of your senses believing that it's somewhere else. And um, you know there's really there's two devices that really enable that. Um, and you know in VR there's kind of a split. There's mo- mobile powered devices which are uh, Samsung's Gear VR, it's Google's Daydream. It's essentially um, products that are are powered by mobile phones. Um, and then there's the fully featured VR, which is the Vive and Oculus. And those enable, um, a, a, they, 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 the, the quality of the experience and the fidelity of the interactions are l- leagues ahead of what the mobile experience gives you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they have room tracking, so you're able to move around in a space of six by ten, um, and not run into walls and you experience different worlds. Um, and kind of all comes home in this one application that simulates you being in an elevator and you go, you walk into the elevator, you push the button, uh, that's on the top and the doors close and you go up to the top of the elevator and the doors open and there's just a wooden plank that extends from the elevator off the side of the building. And, it's a, you know, I run a VR lab here at Shasta in San Francisco, and we've had probably 100, over 150 people try this experience, among many others. And categorically, this one, everybody goes, oh, whoa, whoa, no, I don't want to do it. Uh, everybody has a visceral reaction to it, um, despite knowing that they're perfectly safe. They're standing on, you know, in an office in South Park in San Francisco. They're on, they're standing on the ground. Um, but you know, categorically people are just kind of thrown by this one. Um, and so that's the best example of a presence that in my demos, I take people through, but 
You know, the kind of presence also goes hand in hand. It's kind of the other side of a coin with nausea. Um, and so what I mean by that is a lot of people complain about they get nausea when they try VR experiences. And, and it's my experience that in, in people get nauseous because actually not enough of their senses are being tricked that they're actually in VR. So the more fully featured mm. the VR rig is, the tighter to your face it is, the more uh, you know, more directional the sound, um, the more that the sound and touch you're able to use your hands or your feet in the experience, the more your brain actually believes that you're there and the less of a reaction you have to getting nausea. Because nausea happens biologically when if you know back in the, in the caveman days if we would have eaten a bad plant uh you know your body would have started to felt uh blurry your eyes your vision would have been blurry and there were certain things that would cause you to want to vomit to expel that bad thing um well in vr if you're moving your head but your eyes are only reacting one out of every five frames that you're moving your head you're going to have the same exact reaction as you know blurry vision and and getting sick so um, to me, it's kind of you know, different sides of the same coin, but fully featured VR is truly transformational. Yeah, and I've seen those um, those YouTube videos of people trying out VR headsets, and they're either on a roller coaster or you know similar to what you're talking about, seeing a plank on the top of an elevator and just actually falling down in real life, um, <laughs> or, yeah. or you know tripping or you know like leaning to the left and you know falling off the chair because uh, exactly. it seems so real. Yep. Yep, it's quite common. Luckily, we haven't had any bad accidents, but uh, yeah, it's, it's common. <laughs> and I don't know if this jumps the gun, but since VR right now relies on the headsets and the earsets, um, do you see it in the future, maybe 50 years down the line or something, where it's maybe not even a headset? It's something that is attached or um, sensors to the brain. So it, it just simulates yes. that type of uh, sight, hearing, smell, since it's all, all interpreted by the brain. Yeah, that is a very futuristic thought. That is awesome. I love that you're thinking that way. Um, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I think that, you know, there's kind of the, the half step to that, which is still quite futuristic, is, is probably more of a holodeck situation where you're, you're not wearing a headset but you're walking around in an environment that is yep. generating, you know, wall. I mean, like Star Trek, like the holodeck of Star Trek. You're walking around in an environment where um, the world's changing around you. Items are, hol you know, holographically showing up in front of you that you can interact with. You're sensing, you're getting smells. Um, I don't know how they'll do taste, but I'm sure there's probably a way. Um, so that's kind of the nearer term version. And that's probably 10 years out for even the early stage ones. Uh, but I love what you're saying from a brain perspective. Absolutely, that's probably that's probably easier to do uh, from a from a implementation standpoint. Just regulatory uh, hurdles will probably hold us up on that one. Uh, but I love the idea. It's great. I don't know if you've heard. Um, uh, I think the comments were originally from this Oxford philosopher Nick uh, Nick Bostrom, but Elon Musk also mentioned it that. It's more likely than not we're living in a simulated reality currently. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard this. <laughs> oh, you haven't heard this? No. Yeah, he says that, you know, with the advancement of technology and how, you know, 20 years ago we had 
a Game Boy, say, and, you know, this 2D screen on, uh, like, a clunky device. And now we're advanced to VR headsets where we can experience virtual reality. If we keep progressing uh, on this life cycle, you know, down 50 years or 100 years or X number of years, we can mm-hmm. simulate things so that it becomes so real that it's indistinguishable from reality. And mm. if this technology has already been created, we're most likely living in it. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I love it. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, one of the most interesting things about VR is that it, it can enable you to experience things that are far outside of your normal realm of, of what you would normally experience. And, you know, and that's what's like, wow, it, it, it makes life even in some cases, it could make life even better. Like you get to do things or experience things that or see things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. So I see it as a huge benefit and tool, um, you know, for people as they as they grow, as they, you know, I, I think I think there's also a soci- sociological element of it that um will let people express themselves in different ways, be who they want to be in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a medium that more than most is going to have a, a profound effect on the way we, the way we live our lives. Um, like a real life Sim City or something. Yeah. There's probably good parts of that and bad parts of that, but you know, it, and maybe it's directly proportional to the effort it takes to actually get into VR. Cause it is not, particularly cheap or easy but you know it, it also has a profound the, the opportunity to be profoundly world-changing mm-hmm. yeah and, and off that topic of the technology being good or bad i, I know you also um cover artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and there has obviously been quite a bit of debate on will artificial intelligence be good for us will it be bad for us what are your quick thoughts on that yeah, I mean, AI, artificial intelligence, takes so many different tacks. I mean, it's kind of like saying you like pizza. Well, everybody likes pizza, but there's so many different types of pizza. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to, you know, we could drill into some different areas. But broadly, I think, I think it's going to just make people much more efficient. I don't think we're going to have the point of singularity where devices start taking, a, taking over people. Um, and human consciousness and trying to kill us. I think though, I think it will drastically increase the efficiency of our lives and enable, you know, kind of a bifurcation of very automated tasks, which we won't do, and then make highly specialized tasks ones that we become much better at. Relationships being one of those. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you have any specific examples you're, you're thinking of with AI? Um, yeah. The reason I ask is because you know I, I heard a few theories of what happens um, as we, uh, you know, keep going down the path of increasing AI from just you know narrow intelligence to this general intelligence to ultimately I guess the singularity um, of what people call it. But uh, I, I was thinking about the role of humans in that progress. So I, I think the theories that I heard was one. Um, you know, AI becomes so intelligent that humans become sort of even like a pet for the AI, similar to how we're so much more superior in terms of intelligence than a dog or a cat. Um, the second theory that I heard was 
we evolve along with AI in terms of we somehow integrate uh, biologically some of the intelligence of AI into our brain or into our body mm. um, and evolve in that capacity. Mm. And the third one is obviously the worst scenario where it's the singularity and they deem that humans are irrelevant for, you know, uh, efficient living and, you know, we go extinct. Mm. <laughs> yeah, really interesting. I, I, I prefer the second one, but <laughs> <laughs> likewise, but they're all theories. I mean, I think I'm thinking of AI in a much more, I mean, I, those theoretical perspectives are very important because it's ultimately, you know, the direction that we think we're building these in. But when I think yeah. of AI, you know, on a day to day basis, it's thinking about how do we create software that makes, uh, you know, fraud prevention or insurance, insurance claims inspectors more effective. So instead of claims inspectors looking through all of the claims that come in online, now, you know, AI is able to filter out the the vast majority and process them through faster and then surface the ones that have, you know, truly very strange marks to them and then put a person on it. Um, or Got autonomous it. vehicles is another like the prime example of artificial intelligence and specifically not, you know, there's two ter- two types of robotics. Uh, one is deterministic, which means you're essentially building if-then statements um, into perpetuity to make sure that things stay within a certain bounds. The other is a deep learning perspective, which is, uh, you know, it's a different architecture, a different type of, of technology, but you essentially throw a tremendous amount of data at the um, at the algorithms and computers so that they learn and they train themselves um, how to you know, how to act. And it, to me, it's kind of teaching the fishermen to fish as opposed to just giving them a fish. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's the neural network, right? Where it sort of yeah. simulates, you know, basically our learning or how humans. Yeah, learn. exactly. Um, and it does it to, you know, it does it to a point, does it to a point in, in which the humans have kind of identified that the bounds, but yeah, I mean, it's, it also, the, the big problem with it is that it takes a tremendous amount of data yep. to be able to learn. So, and most, most applications don't have enough data to learn. So in the self-driving car example, you have, you know, these self-driving cars that are actually driving millions and tens of millions of miles on the road in order to get all of that data to then provide that data to their, their machine learning, their deep learning components and, and, and become an autonomous car. So kind of takes a chicken and an egg. Um, but that's certainly, you know, a super interesting field. And so, that, so that's kind of the, the way I'm thinking about AI these days. But you're right. I mean, heck, the the future of robots is probably just around the corner. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. At least the short to midterm, um, you know, AI, I, I view it as definitely a tool that people can use to supplement their lives for increased efficiency um, in the in the a- aspects that you described. But I, I definitely think it's um, a tool, but it can also be. There needs to be constraints and there needs to be an active view of how this technology could go wrong. So in the example of, you know, autonomous cars, if you would tell your car, hey, get me to the airport as quickly as possible. I mean, what's to stop it from, you know, like running over a person or like going off the street or, you know, going through other different alleyways that aren't necessarily safe. But I, I, I definitely agree that, um, you know, in the near term, at least, it's it seems like it's a very useful tool. Mm-hmm. 
So also, in, just in terms of AI, just uh, in terms of the media that we've seen, like Ex Machina and, and Her are some of the most recent ones. Um, what what are your thoughts on on those movies in terms of the portrayal? Or yeah, I think um, I mean I guess now I was talking about how I don't think about robots taking over the world, but I I think those are actually quite <laughs> I think those are probably closer than we think. Um, and you know they're not I mean X Machina that was a physical robot that that may be a little bit longer, but I think a conversational type robot that um, you can either interact with online. You know, and that takes a number of different form factors. You can type to it, you can speak voice to it, and voice is another platform I focus on. Uh, or, you know, what, what really intrigues me is the VR component to this, where you're using voice, but you're also using audio. Uh, I'm sorry, you're also using visual um, components to create a representation of a person or something that is then living and breathing in front of you. I think that's super powerful, mm-hmm. and I think it's. I think it's probably pretty close. Um, you know, we still have to pass, you know, machines still have to pass the Turing test of, of understanding whether or not it can fool a human that it's another human on the other side, and that's yeah. that's a ways away. Um, but with deep learning, there's been a fundamental shift in technology, and it's only you know a few years old, um, three or four years old. So it's, you know, we've seen tremendous advances in it already, and once you give that the lexicon of human speech and and interaction, you know, it's only a matter of time before billions and trillions of data points are computed to be able to create, you know, a pretty good representation of what a conversation would look like. Um, and that's one of the reasons why something like Google Translate is, is you know, why they're so focused on it is because, you know, cert, explicit search inputs is one way of getting information on human thought. But... Really, the better way of doing it is actually capturing conversation. And the Trojan horse here is they're capturing conversation in between two languages. So we actually think they're needed in that instance. But what they're actually doing is getting a great representation of, you know, call and response um, and, and interactions between people that then help them build out an entire platform around voice and interaction. So, um, you know, I think, you know, what Alexa does and, and Google Home does. These are all the early stages of it, but you know, computing power is so insanely powerful these days. And with neural networks and GPUs, um, the growth of GPUs, it's you know, I think it's right around the corner. Got it. Um, Jacob, thanks so much uh, for for taking the time. I thought we had a you know awesome conversation. I think a lot of my listeners will benefit a lot from you know just understanding AI and. Uh, and artificial intelligence and virtual reality and how that all works. So thanks so much for um, for taking the time to come on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Alan. Yeah. And if people um, you know want to get in contact uh, later, should I just point them to your, your LinkedIn or your email address? And yeah, all yeah, all of it. That's great. I'm I'm at Jacob on Twitter. Um, you know, my email is on the Shasta Ventures website. Um, uh, VR Tuesday. Come to one of those. But there's a lot of ways to find me. Awesome. Well, uh, hope we'll chat again soon. And uh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you.